0: my first day going out to the bees I didn't know what to expect but I remember as I was about halfway through the day it was really when I probably took my first bee sting and it was in the back of the head and it hurt really bad and I thought for sure I'd been stung before which I had but man this bee was mad she was really upset so she wanted to stick it to me I guess and it, it stung me in the back of the head and I remember I had to leave the bee yard for a minute and think man Is this really where I want to be today?
1: (laughs) Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast from Azuma that shares motivational stories from small business owners. I'm Greg. And I'm Ben. And we're your hosts for this episode. Today we're talking with Adam, the business manager of Cox's Honey, a honey farm in Idaho. Adam, welcome. Thank you.
2: So Adam, most people do their best to avoid bees. What made you decide to go to work on a honey farm?
0: Well, I grew up in Chile, Idaho, right around Cox's Honey. Didn't know that much about them necessarily, but I grew up out in the country, and there was obviously lots of bees that are out in the country. I noticed that they were there. didn't really know what they did, you know, collecting honey and all that. I know honey came from bees, obviously, but didn't know that much about them. But I hated flying insects. I hated wasps. I hated hornets. And so when this opportunity came by with Cox's Honey, my family thought I was crazy. But I guess I looked more at the business side of it and thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to be able to do that. And so that's kind of how I started into Cox's Honey. But I actually worked in the bees for a couple of years and learned to love the bees and what they do. And they stand for so much. You know, they're so resilient. They're so productive and efficient in what they do. And so... That actually applies to a lot of what life's all about. So I love these creatures now.
2: That's very cool. Very cool. So you said you looked at the business side of it and that kind of intrigued you. Was that something that kind of aligned with your personality, your character, your interests?
0: Yeah, it did. Business is my background. So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to have my own business because I wanted to be able to take something that might be, you know, small or whatever and, and grow it and see the success from it. And so I had little small businesses when I was younger. Uh, I would sell candy bars on the bus. I would sell candy bars at recess. I'd sell jerky when I was in high school because my parents owned a jerky factory. And so when I saw the business opportunity with Cox's, it's amazing how much business is actually needed in order to run a honey company.
1: Quite a bit more than just bees and harvesting honey, huh?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's definitely a lot of planning and a lot of management that goes into it. Obviously, you've got Employees, you have to deal with and stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of the business side of it that goes into it. Yeah, well, so you've been
1: working at Cox for so 16 years and yeah, or, or longer.
0: Yep, I've been there for uh, 16 years. Like I said, I was looking for a, a job. I saw the opportunity at Cox's. I went there. They actually told me they weren't looking for anybody. And then the next day, they offered me a job. They said, "Hey, we feel like we need to hire you, and so we will." And the first couple of years, they stuck me on the bees. And I thought to myself, you know. I don't know that this is what I really want to do, but as the process went along and as I saw how you kind of help manage the bees so that, you know, you can get a harvest, a honey harvest at the end of the year was really intriguing to me. And then also, you know, what you do with them in the winter time. So there was the management part of it that I really enjoyed as far as the bees go. That is really,
1: really cool to hear. So how long has Cox been in business then?
0: So Cox has been around for 95 years. They homesteaded the place in Shelley, uh, 1927. And at that time, Orville, who founded the company, he really was selling vegetables on the side of the road to people that were driving by. And then he got bees because he knew bees would help with that. And then he started selling the honey from the bees and he was making more money selling the honey. And so then he's like, you know what? I really like the honey side of stuff. And so he would go around to other farmers who had bees and he's like, hey, if I run the bees for you, will you let me take the honey from them? And they're like, you know what? You can just have the bees, just bring them back every year so we get the pollination off of them and you can have the honey off of them. And so he went around and that's kind of how Cox's got started was just from going around and asking farmers for their bees and they actually just gave them to him.
1: Wow. And so since you've been involved, what has that experience been like as far as growth and development and other things gone there?
0: Cox's has really grown. In the last 10 years, it's quadrupled its oh, wow. production. And really what I did is I came in and I could see, I mean, Cox's has always been a great product. It's been on you know grocery store shelves for years and years. And I just feel like it was something that just needed to get out there more. And so we looked at opportunities as far as distribution. We looked at opportunities as far as getting out in different avenues as far as selling the honey. And people just took it. We were genuine about what we did. And I think that's how we grew so fast, so quick. That's a lot of growth, man. <laughs> so. It is. We went from about 250,000 pounds of honey a year to we pack a million pounds of honey a year right now.
1: Oh, wow. wow. That is a million a pounds. Of honey. <laughs> Quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. So, could you walk us through how that honey is harvested and what goes into the beekeeping side of the business?
0: So, honey is just like any other crop that's out there. It's harvested in the fall. And so really what you're doing is you're getting the bees ready as they come out of winter and they come into springtime, go through the summer. You're kind of helping them manage their hive. You want them to grow and you want them to also have enough food and honey to be able to produce other honey. So most places have a couple of different honey flows, but the most common honey flow that we have in Idaho is the clover honey flow. And that happens in June, July, and then we harvest it in August and September. But the biggest honey flow that we have in May, which is the dandelions, everybody has dandelions in their front yard or in their backyard. And dandelion honey is really its really healthy for the bees, but it tastes like dandelions. So we as humans don't like it. And so <laughs> we let them keep all that, but then we'll take the good clover honey from them because that's what we enjoy as humans. And so when you have 13,500 colonies... It takes a lot of management as far as making sure they're all ready to be able to capitalize on the honey flow that comes out. Plus, there's a couple of things that really hurt the bees, and that's if you take too much honey away from them, they don't have good stuff to eat. And we've seen that kind of in the past where beekeepers have actually taken all the honey and fed back corn syrup. And that, that's like us living on Snickers bars. We could survive, but we're not going to be very healthy. And same with the bees. And so we make sure that they keep enough honey to be able to survive on. And then we just take the excess from that. The other part of that is that we as beekeepers, we make sure we watch the hive as far as the cleanliness of the hive. Pesticides build up over time. It might not just be like a season of pesticides that takes out a colony, but it could be five or six, seven, eight years of pesticide builds up over time in the wax that's in the hive. And so we as beekeepers have to make sure that we help clean their house, I guess, a little bit. It's like living in a dirty house. You're also susceptible to diseases and stuff. So we make sure that we get rid of the bad comb, the bad wax in there, and they build out a new comb that's healthier and, and they can become a stronger bee.
1: Wow. So are all of your bees local in one area? Are you moving bees around the state or how are you getting them out?
0: Yeah, most of our bees actually, they reside in southeastern Idaho from uh ashton idaho down to montpelier idaho so it's all southeastern idaho there is a time we do move them to california to pollinate almond trees in january february march march is when they come back so we send them down there for just the pollination of the almond trees and then they come back but other than that they're in idaho most of the time and they're collecting that clover honey wow
2: very cool <laughs> So there's multiple revenue streams there, I guess, if the California farmers are depending on you to pollinate their trees.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, the almond tree is the only tree, fruit or nut, that produces a nut for every blossom that's pollinated. And so they pay us to bring the bees down to pollinate every blossom that tree has so that their production is up as far as almonds go. There's times in an almond tree that they produce so many nuts on one branch, it'll break the branch. That's why the farmers pay us to bring the bees down to pollinate down in the almonds.
2: Interesting. So how many bee stings does it take to be a professional beekeeper? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good question. I can tell you that uh, I've taken thousands of stings. On my first day going out to the bees, I didn't know what to expect and we get out to this bee yard and there is about 200 colonies of bees. You know, each colony of bee can have 100,000 bees in one colony. So we're talking about millions of bees that are around. It was a little intimidating at first. <laughs> and then I started working them. I'd open a hive and of course you'd have some that would come out not very happy and and I was okay with that. I actually started really enjoying it. They were showing me how to work bees, how to look at bees and Maybe find the queen. We were trying to find the queen in some of the hives, and I thought that was pretty cool. Seeing pollen on uh, the bee's legs was really fun. You'd see every every color in the rainbow. So every red and green and blue and purple was uh, in the pollen on these bees because it was in the springtime. But I remember as I was about halfway through the day, it was really when I probably took my first bee sting, and it was in the back of the head, uh. And it hurt really bad. And I thought for sure I'd been stung before, which I had. But man, this bee was mad. She was really upset. So she wanted to stick it to me, I guess. And it it stung me in the back of the head. And I remember I had to leave the bee yard for a minute and think, man, is this really where I want (laughs) to be today? So yeah, I I did stick it out, obviously. But I learned to love the bees. And and actually, uh, from there on, the stings weren't as bad. I mean, because I kind of knew what to expect. And the other thing is that stinger was stuck in the back of my head. I couldn't get it because of my veil and everything. And as you guys probably already know that, that if you leave a stinger in, it will continue to inject venom. So like, if you get stung on the arm, you want to get it off as soon as possible, but in the back of the head, you can't really do anything. So I took the full blunt of that one. So, but yeah, my first day was, it was amazing, but crazy at the same time. Cause I went from, this is awesome to I don't think so. to You know what? I think, I think I'm going to stick this out. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a crazy day. It really was. So, to be a professional beekeeper, uh, you know, a couple thousand. <laughs> but that's in one season. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, do those
2: suits, are they now the 100%? Can you get stung through the suits?
0: Not a lot. Part of the reason why I got stung in the back of the head is because I had my veil up against my head. And so there's holes in the veil part of it because the veil is up against the back of my head. The bee could easily sting me okay. through that. They have to grab to sting with their back legs. Oh. And with the, with some of the bee suits, you can't grab it because it's really slick stuff. And they do that for that reason. So bees can't grab it.
2: Interesting. That was just a really determined bee.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> she was <laughs> not sure happy. She got for the
1: sure. full experience on the first day, the highs, the lows. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, she was like, I'm gonna, I'll am let him know. I'll let him know how it's like to work bees. So, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what she was thinking. Initiation.
2: Now, now you're saying yep. that she, I thought, I thought the queen bee was the only female bee.
0: No, actually, it's interesting with colonies. So, the queen bee is a female, and then the workers and the foragers and the ones that sting you are all female. Oh. There's not very many males in a hive. They do stuff like they fan the hive to cool it down or they're dehydrating the honey, but they aren't the ones that go out and collect everything. They're not the ones who guard the hive. They don't even have a stinger. Oh. And so they can't even do anything. So really it's females that do everything in the hive.
2: Well, that's very interesting. Thanks for that uh, education there. Have your kids been stung by bees?
0: I've had my kids out with me. When we work bees, because I want them to see what I see. And so, yeah, I think every one of them has, had, has taken a sting. Good
1: for them.
2: <laughs> so other than uh, stings, what, what have been some of the challenges of running Cox's Honey?
0: We can't produce everything that we package because we've grown so much. And so then we outsource to a lot of the local beekeepers that are around. We want the same floral source, the same color, the same taste because we want to be consistent in what we provide for our customers. And so we try and buy from local guys around us. And sometimes that's not always uh, possible because they may be in the same boat we are, which is not, the production wasn't good that year. And also to go along with that is the drought. The drought makes it so that the flowers do not produce the nectar that's needed to be able to provide the honey. And so that's been a struggle. The weather really plays a role in what you do and you have to have like, you know, rain and water at certain times in order for the flowers to grow and produce that nectar. And so it's been quite a challenge as far as being able to have enough honey to be able to package enough. We've been fortunate enough to be able to have find what we need, but it's getting tighter every year. It seems like maybe we are growing too much. Wow. <laughs> and another challenge that we face in the packaging side of stuff is a cheaper honey that's out on the market. A lot of that comes from the fact that there's a lot of foreign honey that comes in. And so for in order for us to combat something like that is we have to make sure that we have a superior product. We make sure that we don't take shortcuts, that we do the same thing that we've been doing for years. That way people know that our consistency is also the same. The creamed is the same, the liquid honey is still the same. So that when people pull a bottle off the shelf, they know what they're getting. And I think that's really important as far as a business goes. I've seen companies who actually have changed the way that they've done stuff and they have not survived or they have not stayed on the shelf very long and they've had to go a different way in order to distribute their honey. And so it's really important to stick to who you are, especially as the price on the shelf cheapens, not to cheapen yourself. And yeah, our price is a little bit higher. But we also know we have a superior product. And so I think having confidence in what you provide is really important.
2: So can someone just put a a hive of bees on their backyard and expect to have some good taste in honey?
0: I always tell people that if they want to be a beekeeper, the best honey out there is the honey that they produce. Because there's nothing like producing your own stuff. Even though Cox's provides a superior product, still getting honey from your own bees is fulfilling. It does take time. You have to be diligent in what you're doing as far as working the bees. And also being able to recognize when the bees need certain things at certain times. There is a a time frame for certain things that have to be taken into account. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who try it and that don't stick with it because number one, they don't have the patience. Number two, sometimes the bees don't survive. And so then they get frustrated. But again, it's all about learning how the bees work and and then being able to help them survive and grow. This may be a trade
1: secret question. You don't want to share it with us, but how do you guys do the creamed honey? Because that stuff is delicious.
0: Yeah, the creamed honey is uh, something that we are nationally renowned for. I remember reading an article from Orville, who was our founder in the 1950s, and that's kind of when he developed it, winning contests nationally for the honey that he produces. And that's what we are really known for is our creamed honey. And really, Orville was looking for a way to use granulated honey. You know, most people think that when honey granulates, it's not good anymore. But honey never goes bad. And so people would bring back that granulated honey to him and want fresh honey. And so he had this granulated honey. And you can feed it back to the bees. That's not a problem. But he was starting to get a bunch. And so he was trying to figure out, how, how can I use this granulated honey? And he found that if he ran it through like a grain mill or a mill, that mill would crush the granules and that's what makes the white color and the smooth texture to it. So yeah, it is a, a little bit of a trade secret, but there's also a time frame to that as well in the way that he does it and the way we do it. So it's softly granulated honey. We just run through a mill, and that's what, that's what creates the creamed honey. Most people, they provide the whipped honey, but we do the creamed honey, which is a lot different.
1: Oh, okay. Well, keep it up, whatever you're doing. So.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: You. Have, a, you have a customer here that's not going to stop. So. Oh, great. I wonder with everything that you have going on, what's one of your uh, favorite parts of working there at Cox Honey?
0: I love working at Cox's because I can see the growth and I can help control the growth as far as making sure that it's done right. And we've had such great success over the last few years. I love seeing that. And that kind of drives me to be able to do more for the company. And now, you know, a lot of my family, my kids are involved. And so that really helps me drive because I'm, I'm hoping to leave something for them. But the success, I think, is what really, I really enjoy working at Cox's Honey for that.
2: Very cool. You may not have been around 95 years ago when the business started, but it sounds like you've been instrumental in getting it to where it is today. What advice would you have for small business owners who are trying to build and grow a business?
0: There's a couple of things I would suggest. I would suggest to be open to other ideas and to not think, oh, I'm the entrepreneur. I know everything about my business. I don't need any outside sources telling me differently. And even though it might not be that idea, it might be something that comes from that idea that helps us to grow and to learn. We've seen that. I think also to not be afraid to pivot. And then also the other thing is to make sure you work on your business and not in your business. If you're not well-versed in certain aspects of keeping a business, then get somebody that is and so that you can really concentrate on your business versus in it.
2: Great advice. Well, we do just have one final question for you, Adam. What is it that keeps you going every day?
0: My family keeps me going every day. I enjoy doing the things that I do because number one, I provide for my family. Number two, I want to set a good example. And number three, I want them to be able to Do what I'm doing, which is to be successful. Um, And it can be in any aspect of life, right? It doesn't have to be necessarily Cox's Honey, but in any aspect. That's what drives me, I think, every day is my family.
1: That's wonderful. That's really good. Well, Adam, we appreciate your time today, and it's been really fun to talk and learn more about what you do, and appreciate the insights as you've shared, and we wish you all the best as you continue to grow this amazing business.
0: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I think it was awesome.
1: Yeah, it's been really good. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you or someone you know would like to share your small business story, please go to Mazumausa.com slash keep going and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. And if you are looking for tax advice for your small business, be sure to join our Keep Going Facebook group and check out our website at Mazumausa.com.